Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is... Shannon Attack. Attack. Sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated offers the maximum discount on Privateer Press products. When you order $30 or more, you will receive free or reduced shipping. You can find the web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. the war machine and hordes podcast i'm your host trevor and uh i do most of my work from home <laughs> i'm jay and i am now doing most of my work from home and it's glorious <laughs> uh, and i'm josh i'm not as compliant by nature as trevor obviously <laughs> so i'm like half a josh half the rebel yeah i so brian and i tried to do a daily walk and we used to do it on the green belt, but we uh, discontinued that because it um, has more people than we would want to see. And so we started walking down in Snake River Landing. And uh, well, actually, these by, things are things that most people wouldn't know what they were. Yeah, I understand. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's funny. We park right by where Trevor's work is, where he's not. But there's still a surprising amount of vehicles at his work. And then we walk by a construction project, and evidently the construction industry has, like, I don't know if it's no conceptualization or just doesn't care, but, like, the whole social distancing thing is not happening at all there. <laughs> I want you to know, Jay, that... Is this the same construction site that you sent me a picture of yes. a week or two ago? Yes. So I brought that up in my... We have a weekly planning meeting with our project managers where we review projects and we review, you know, who needs what electricians wear kind of stuff. And so, and we also talk about and, uh, safety incidents and that kind of stuff. Anyway, and I brought up a good friend of mine sent this picture and, and they have some concerns about the construction of the project managers like, oh yeah, that's our job site. Not, it was not my guys. <laughs> was it? Like, it, it was other trades, but right, he had yeah. literally just got done expressing frustration with the site he was on because, you know, I'm biased, obviously, but our guys are trying to make the effort to, right, like, right. you know, wear the additional protective, personal protective equipment that the CDC recommends and try to maintain distances and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it was just funny that he's like, yep, I know exactly where, where that is. <laughs> <laughs> so... So okay, I'd so, like to say it's getting better, but not. Depends, part of the problem is it depends on the general contractor. It depends right. on the owner. I mean, it's right. like everybody's so varied in how they're, what they're willing to do or what they think needs to be done. It's, it's kind of fascinating in a dark way. So <laughs> the reason why my building has so many cars in front is we built a huge building when we built it. And with the plan to um, be able to uh, fill it and then as soon as that happened, they laid off like, I don't know, 70 people. Um, and so we had this section of the building, this large section of the building that sat empty for a very long time. Well, last year we, uh, rented it out and rebuilt it for a tenant. 
that tenant is a call center that works for the government. Huh. And so, and so that call center makes, um, it's for, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the, the, uh, the acronym. It's like, uh, TDI or TDA or I don't remember. It's the text. TPF. It's the, it's the text. No, it's the te- text to speech that you would have when a, um, a deaf person needs to call a government agency. Oh, yeah. So, so that call center does that specific work. And so they're open 24 seven, 365 days a year, and they can't really close. So we have all kinds of cars in our parking lot at all given hours. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and, um, I guess, jump into our uh, announcements. Is, is, is there anything going on in the community builder site or is it, uh, as, still as, having? It cracks me up that, that Josh said something about it dying and it went boom, exploded <laughs> after he said that. I didn't notice the timing, but there are actually some really cool posts and discussions going on right now. It all um, happened post you saying that and us posting yeah, that episode. That's, that's funny. Like, there's a discussion where people are playing uh, Monster Apocalypse on tabletop. They're playing a Monster Apocalypse tournament on Tabletop Simulator, which I think is amazing slash hilarious, you know. And there's some discussion about, uh, there's some more discussions about Painting your army, stay home and paint your army. There's some more colorful uh, terms in the phrase than just that. Uh, uh, um, anyway, but there's, so, so there's some really cool painted army pictures on there of what people are doing, you know, while they're um, sheltering at home, kind of stuff. Anyway, there is there's there is some more discussion going on, Jace. So I probably just highlighted them all in one like excited burst there, but there it, it's definitely worth uh, checking back in with the site. So. Cool. Uh, so, Discount Games Inc., we're still doing 30% off of Privateer Press. Um, we are expecting to have the April new releases, which is going to be Aurora 2, The Negation Angels, The Wastelander, and one Monster Apocalypse item. Those should all be in stock. I'm, it's looking like towards the start of next week. So, a few days past the uh, release date, but that's doing pretty good. <laughs> Um, so we appreciate everyone who's been doing the orders and we've been, we've been trying to get stuff out the door for people. Yay. So Josh, I am ready for, um, you to give the, the final chain attack Mark two, all about war machine Mark three. Dank doom me. The crust <laughs> of unhappiness. Dank doom me. <laughs> okay. As is my way, I have, of course, brought you the lowest quality, Jake. Because <laughs> that's, that's how we finish. <laughs> because of the new pictures that are out on... Well, there's anything like Vanity Fair, right, about the new yeah, movie or whatever? Yeah. Uh-huh. There are starting to be, like, new crops of Dank Doom memes already using those pictures, right? But the one that has... <laughs> the one that I'm laughing at so hard today is actually a pretty made in MS Paint, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> So it's an MS paint of a guy, you know, a guy with spiky glasses, crying tears, and he is saying, no, you can't remake Doom, Lynch got it right the first time, this is just a blatant cash grab by Hollywood that doesn't conform to my personal vision of how the world slash characters look, I've already formed a definitive opinion based on a dozen still images from Vanity Fair. <laughs> and the next panel is a guy responding with, like, 
sunglasses and the still suit, you know, um, tube going into his nose. Mm. And he just says, ha ha, spice harvester go for <laughs> So do you, do you know the, so this is, this is actually a riff on an, an, another actual meme. Do you, do you know the meme, Josh? I don't, I clearly do not know the actual, no, I'm excited to, this is <laughs> so, like a science moment. Meme yeah. science. Uh, it, it's supposed to be make the money printer go burr, and <laughs> it's it's it memes about like you know why why isn't the government just like throwing money at this recession? And, and actually, it's been uh, a long running one before that. But yeah, that's the um that's the roots of that meme. <laughs> I'm now looking up on Know Your the uh... yeah <laughs> the original. Uh, so I saw I saw a Dink Doom meme that I I almost tagged you in the the tweet of it, but then so it was a retweet from the Dink Doom meme Twitter account, and I assumed that you just followed it anyways, and so me retweeting it to you would be kind of nonsensical, Josh. Right, right, but you know when did that ever stop me? Carry on. <laughs> um, so it was a picture of a hedgehog. And and the the caption says this is what a sandworm looks on looks like on and the hedgehog crawls into like this this little plastic alligator face mask and it looks like it's this chomping alligator that has like a a hedgehog kind of moving along behind it yeah it's it's amazing it's awesome it's really hard to go wrong with. So did you find Make the Money Printer Go Burr on... Yes. I'm reading various things of Make the Money Printer Go Burr. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so this is obviously the the 200th episode of War Machine, or Chain Attack. um, Of episode 200 of Chain Attack Mark 2, all about War Machine Mark (laughs) 3. Whatever, I'm I'm old now, can't say our title anymore, I guess. I but. think it was still amazing, yeah, you did good work. So, after this, we're going to be changing our format, and we thought to give a little preview of this, that one of the things we're going to be doing, so the, the new podcast is going to be Chain Attack, Grading Hurry, and so we're going to pick things like uh, Onward, the, the new Disney movie, or um, I, I recently ran a Kids on Bikes one-shot RPG or Marvel Crisis Protocol, all these different geeky things where we're going to end up grading um, what we what we think of this geeky thing. And so we thought it would maybe be appropriate as a kind of send-off to War Machine and an intro to our new format for us to have the, this first segment be us uh, doing the grading of War Machine, the, the game using our, our new system that we'll have coming up. And so, uh, Josh or Trevor, do, you, do one of you guys have our grading categories or, or scale? I, I believe we both do. Yeah, okay. we we'll do them both up. You want to go ahead and, and review those real quick for us? So, yeah, we're going to go... So we have uh, eight categories, and I won't... The eighth one isn't really a category, but whatever. So the categories are going to be... Uh, no, seven categories. Hold on. I need a bold and a line for that. Seven categories. Here we are. They are design, time management, repeatability, fun, uh, overall, audience. And then the one that I'm saying is not really a category, but for me it's one of the important ones, is 
go totally or category. no go. It's totally. Is a that a category? Does it go? Right. It, it, it's a it's a it's a um, a digital category. There's only there's only We're two the best categories. Yeah, it's a binary category. Right. That's correct. <laughs> it's a one or a zero. Okay, so, so we yeah, do you want we to obviously have any more of that. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, uh, well, okay, Trevor, you go first. Let's, let's let's tennis this bad boy. Ping pong them back and forth. That so we're we're going to go through. Well, sorry, I, I'm lost here. I wanted to talk about what each of them mean. What each? Yeah, of them that's mean. what yeah. I mean. Let's do that. Yeah, oh, okay. Do that. Um, so design is basically the core design of the product or the um, movie or book or whatever it is, and and um, we don't give a shit about you know our ratings actually fitting well within these categories. So. Um, the design is going to be basically the core design of whatever it is. If it's a board game, it's going to be, you know, our, the um, mechanics, um, the basically the core idea or how it functions or flows. If um, it were a book, it would be how is the writing, right? Correct. Or it might even be um, a little bit of the does the plot make sense? Yeah, or like the world design or something like that. Yeah. All would fit there, right? Yeah. Okay, and so then the next category, time management. Um, if you want to start your chain attack grading geek three um, drinking game, I think time management is where you will most frequently hear me use phrases like "overstays its welcome" or "respects <laughs> the player's time." Right? Those right. <laughs> I mean, a, be, a good example. A good example of it is a movie that was. Um, like the cartoon cars from Disney is like two hours and 20 minutes. And like, I, I don't understand why you have any Disney child cartoon that is two hours and 20 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, and, and I say that as someone who likes that, that movie, uh, partially in big part because I think Cars Land in, in California Adventures is really cool. Um, but that would be an example of something that, um, like Josh says, overstays its welcome a little bit. Well, or does, does does not have good time management. management. Yes. Yeah. If if you want to talk about um you know your drinking game, the term that I'm going to frequently use is going to be it was five minutes of fun packed into four hours. You know, <laughs> I, there's times when yeah it was fun for a bit, but eventually it's like geez, we really if you put all the fun together, we could have had it in five minutes and been done with it. All right, that's good. Okay, next All right, category. Trevor, explain repeatability. Uh, repeatability is simply the desire you are going to have to re- come back to it. And why is this a category all its own? Because sometimes something can be fun or enjoyable, but it's it's a chore. You don't necessarily want to go back and do it. And I can give you a good example from, um, say, a movie. I love Christopher Nolan, and I love the movie Memento. But it is it is really um emotionally involving and you really have to be paying attention and it's the type of thing that you don't necessarily want to go back and watch again even if you enjoyed it so repeatability is the um is the desire or the chance that you're going to play it or do it again you know there's board games same thing you might play a board game once think it was great but it's such a for a lot of people ti um, Twilight Imperium is a good example. They'll enjoy it. They'll have a lot of fun. They'll think it's a great game. But the chance of them replaying it is slim because it takes such a big investment. So I, replay- I have to say, I have to say one thing about this category too. Like certain certain um, topics that we cover, this will have a lot more weight if you hear from me that it is repeatable. And what I mean by that is like books and movies, especially 
Like yeah. if I if I repeat it, then you should know like that meant a ton to me. This is right? the creme because, de la creme. <laughs> yeah, but for me, for me personally, right. you know, like like as an example, a comic book that I just recently reread, which is rare for me to reread, was um, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, which is sort of a post-apocalyptic Batman story, and I'm like. Oh my heck! This thing is still so amazing in my eyes, right? So it would I get a another score. right. I, and I, we'll talk about this with the one that we're doing right now. But there's also going to be some where the re- replayability kind of has to be high for it to for it to be a good product. Um, and I say War Machine as, as an example um, because if if you went and like played a demo of War Machine and you were like, okay, that's I have now, uh, you know, experienced the fulmination of this game. Um, I'm now three hundred dollars into it. Also, right, right. I mean, that would be a, a a big failure by this type of product. And there's there's some games or et cetera that are they're kind of like that. Well, we'll probably cover some of this in our first few episodes of the new series. But um, I, you know, I'm kind of the opposite of Josh. I generally don't want to judge anything until I've consumed it two or three or maybe even four times. I've, I've seen most of the movies in my collection and it's, there's a lot of them. Um, I've mm-hmm. seen almost, I've seen almost all of them twice and most of them three times. And some of them as many as 10 or 15 times. And it's just, so for me, but that doesn't make it repeatable. So I may, I may repeat and play it again or read it again or watch it again, but that doesn't mean that it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. You might not, you might not make your repeatability determination until you have gotten you know, correct, correct. The players or something, right? I, yeah. I might, I might play it a second time, or, or watch it a second time, or read it a second time, and then be like, you know what? That was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I should not have done that again. Okay, next category. Uh, okay, so fun. Frankly, I think fun is the, in some ways, the the most self-explanatory category. But in another way, it, it's you're going to learn and see in the ways in which that category is different and the same between hosts, you know, because there are, I think that's, that's an important thing that you'll see in the new series. Like there is just some stuff that um, will rank higher on the fun scale for all of us sometimes. And then other times one will be way up, way down low on the rating and another will be way up high. So that, that uh, to me is one of the more uh, personalized categories, fun categories. I'll also say that just because something is, this is going to sound stupid. It, just because something is fun doesn't mean that its design is good or that it's, it's repeatable or that you want to even do it again. Maybe, you know, maybe it wears out its welcome and you, you're like, you know what? It was fun the one time, but I really wouldn't want to do it again. Well, we've uh, all had the... where you get done playing it and you're like, that had no right to be as fun as it just was. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or there's also games. Like the one that, that Trevor is tragically wrong about, uh, <laughs> Kalis, where that game's awful. <laughs> many people are like, "Man, this is great. It's very well designed." Um, and in terms like this, just isn't fun. That's like that's like five minutes of fun packed into three hours. That's that that one's exactly. Uh, the only fun part I have of that game is putting it away. I need at least <laughs> twenty minutes to ramp up to where I'm having my most fun. Come on. Um, I also going to say that sometimes things won't be fun, but that doesn't make it in, uh, that doesn't necessarily make it. It doesn't make it bad. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make it bad. Um, so, you know, some things, sometimes things carry weight there. I can think of, you know, RPGs about, um, a little bit heavier topics that, uh, you know, they're a different type of fun, I guess. 
um, but they're not what you would traditionally think of as fun. Yeah, well, and okay, one final warning in this category for your drinking game. You're going to realize a lot of times Josh will be like super high on the fun scale, and it was because the game or was actively trying to murder him, or like you know, <laughs> the book was actively trying to like steal my sanity. You know, there is something a little twisted in me, so buyer be. <laughs> All right, so the, the next category is overall, and really that's just a, um, a sum of the parts. It is our general grade for the product, the item. Um, you know, how does it compare to its peers? Uh, is it is it a, a good product overall? Think of all of these, um, the, the combination of design, time management. You know, sometimes something will be fun, but it's very hard to overcome its design flaws or right. vice versa. Yeah, it might have, it might be, um, too quick. Maybe you're like, man, that finished too quick. I wish it would have lasted a little bit longer, but man, it was a lot of fun and we're going to play it again. And it's well designed. You know, it's going to get a good overall grade. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to be a direct composite, but it is going to be, uh, what is the sum of its parts? Okay. And then our, um, last full category would be audience. And, uh, you know, while these other categories, you'll hear us essentially doing the, uh, you know, one to ten with Jay arbitrarily telling us when we can or can't use a seven, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, audience is really going to be us discussing, uh, you know, who, who does this product work best for or, or you know, what, what type, if it were a board game, for example, you know, let's say I was talking about ladies and gentlemen, I would be telling you that you want to have ten people, ideally, and you want to have them, you know, willing to poke a little fun at, uh, Victorian era gender norms, you know, so so that will be a little bit more discussion than a than a numerical scale per se. Um, and then the last category, the binary category of go or no go, is basically going to be an opinion from each of the hosts whether that's a go for them or a no go. Um, yep. And and as you listen to the show, for those of you who've listened a long time, um, you're already going to kind of know our proclivities. Uh, but for people new to the show, they'll learn uh, more about us as we go, and you'll learn who your your uh, spirit animal tastes yeah, aligned with. Yeah, who whose taste you align with most, and when they say it's a go for me, then you can you can have a bit of, bit more confidence that that might be a go for you. Um, you know, and if it's a no go for them, then maybe it's a no go for you. Uh, you know, so that's kind of our our summation of 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 our categories. Uh, any thoughts on those? That sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah, You're I'm a genius coming up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad they put the go or no category in because for me, this is funny to admit, but it honestly, I feel like took a decade of my geeky life to realize like, oh, sometimes certain people, you know, reviewers who I like to listen to or, uh, or, you know, whatever YouTube channels that I like to watch, like sometimes their tastes don't align with and if I just early on knew, you know, what is their, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, buy, don't buy feeling on a product, that would help my judgment right away. So I, that's that's a lot of why that. Okay, well, let's dive in and start grading War Machine. So the first category we have is design. I realized that during our normal show, we should have an extra category, not necessarily a category here, but a, a sort of a rundown of the game. But we sort of assume that everybody who's listening. Sure, yeah. Is, is aware we're of gonna works. have we're gonna have some discussion about it before we start. <laughs> yeah, that's true. An introduction. Yeah, that's true. So, so I I feel like when War Machine came out, its design was was quite revolutionary. It's now getting to be a little bit older. It also has 
I don't know if this falls under design, it probably does, but um, it has a lot of models and a lot of rules with models. Um, that said, I still feel like the core mechanic of having 2d6 with boosting is among the, the best core mechanics of uh, games out there. And to me, it's one of the, it's a thing about the game that makes it, it, it lets you taste the risk management just right, you know. Now, granted, I'm like that meme that's like, oh, it was it was a calculated risk, but man, am I bad at math, right? Right. But still, it's it's that 2d6 boosting mechanic I think that makes that work. So. Yeah, it's it's simple. Um, it's easy to understand. Um, you know, 2d6 plus a number towards a target number. That is that is a. It makes you also wonder why no one else came up with that before, and maybe they have, but but. You know, it's very hard to take a miniatures game to market and have it be successful. And the fact that War Machine has stayed around so long shows that that core mechanic is solid. Now, I agree that that its issues are elsewhere. That its core design is fine. Some of the issues that you might bring into the quote-unquote design come when you start adding in all of the other things. Like, uh, and and I'm not going to say that this is a problem, but for example, when you start adding in charges and unit cohesion and and command and just all the other things that are part of the game, then you start introducing little potential flaws. Not all those are flaws, obviously. But um, the design there is starting to look a little bit long in the tooth. I think you could maintain the 2d6 plus to a target number mechanic for the rest of their lives. I mean, like, I see no right. reason why that ever has to go away. And it, it is kind of, if you compare that to like Games Workshop with the bucket of d6 mechanic in um in some of their games um like to me it feels like that's a mechanic that is like overstate its welcome and and needs to be revolutionized i don't know that games workshop ever will but um, honestly i don't think it was ever good the the truth is even when it first came out it was sort of like a we're not exactly sure how to resolve this so we're just going to do this and and truthfully, there's a lot of games that seem to do the same thing. I mean, the Games Workshop's not the only one where the bucket of D6 has become a thing, but man, I hate it. <laughs> you you want to turn okay. me off? You want to turn me off from a game? Tell me that that's how the ballots resolve. Say that there's a bucket of D6 in it. Correct. I'm gonna I'm gonna give an eight on design. I would rate it higher, other than the uh, kind of the problems I've I'd already said with the library of models that are kind of adding a weight to. Uh, so honestly, uh, yeah, honestly, eight is probably about where I was going to sit too. I, I, I kind of feel like I'm hovering right between a seven and eight, but I was afraid that Jay would slap me if I said a seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, is like I, I'm trying to think of the number of miniature games that I have personally played, and and really it's less than half a dozen. But for me, I just have never been able to grok so easily the mechanics of the miniatures game as I was able to with War Machine. So I think that I think that's a lot of why I feel like the design scores so high for me. It's just sort of a digestibility. So my issue with the game is not the number of models. I don't mind the number of models. Um, my issue is the um, some of the mechanics that feel like they're long in the tooth. Sure. You know, as as Jay mentioned, it was great when it first came out and it's been refined and refined, but I feel like it hasn't kept pace with the rest of the industry. I still am in agreement that it's probably an eight. I think that it's great. I think that it's obviously stood the test of time, um, but I do think that there's obviously room for improvement. All right, so our next category is time management. So 
am I wrong in feeling like the games were felt? I don't know that they were. They probably weren't. But they felt quicker 15 years ago. When we were younger, you mean? And, like, time did not feel quite so uh, compressed? Don't make me feel so old. (laughs) I'm afraid that's what it is, because I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, honestly, this score for me on War Machine is going to be a little lower than other scores. Uh, because it, yeah, it just feels like it takes, like, uh, I feel like every game I get to the end of the game and I'm like, what just happened here? Like, what, why did that take as long as that just took, right? I mean, here's, okay, and, and, so. It's not like very much. It's just, it's just, it's just, just enough is all. Go ahead. Here's my, here's my rebuttal or counterpoint. Uh, I, A, I, I, I guess I didn't really have that same feeling as Trevor compared to the old ones or previous games years ago. Um, but B, it also, like there, it also somewhat feels to me like for the niche that War Machine is trying to fill, that this is the appropriate game length. Um, like it would feel kind of silly for you to put all these units on the table and for the game to be over in 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, now I, I will say, you know, there's a lot of times where the game is, an hour and a half to two hours, and with travel and setup, etc., it ends up being like a three-hour thing. Um, and in an ideal world, I think maybe the the ideal game time would be around an hour and a half. Um, but I, I don't necessarily have for it, it. It kind of feels like someone saying, "I, I really feel like Twilight Imperium should be a <laughs> a shorter game." And it's like, well, that's that's just not what Twilight Imperium is. Listen, you watch your mouth, young man. <laughs> so, so here's what I think my issue is with the time management on War Machine. I don't think it's the game's fault. I think it's us okay. as a community. So I think back well, to I the games. It, I, I thought this was going to be an age dig again, but okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, go back to 2008, 2009, 2000, even 2011, 12. And think about the way the game was played compared to now. And I, I fully understand why it's evolved and changed the way it has. But setup and widgets and things, everything we do to, to set up and take, tear down the game just adds a significant amount of time to the game. And like I said, I understand why we do it. But back in the day, it was pull all your models out and your dice and let's go. And then you, when you were done, you put all your models away and you just didn't have all the little fiddly bits. And, you know, that's I, that's I don't... why you should buy a Move on Minis Move Line Pro Tray. <laughs> <laughs> so easily transport oh, widgets. Product placement in the, re- in the review. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe that's the issue that I'm having. But um, it does feel like sometimes it's just it's a lot bigger time uh, commitment than I feel like I can give. And, and maybe that's a due partially to age as well. But. Um, yeah, I'm with I'm with Josh. I feel like that this is not going to be as good a score as some of the others here. Yeah, I mean, I'm, honestly, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put a number to it. Like to me, it's, it's a four. It's, it, you know, oh it's right my there god, in the four or five range. But that that's where it's for me. I'm an old man. Too. You cut me to the heart, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's yours, Trevor? Uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those ones where it's borderline, where I feel like it's. I, I'm trying to find place in my heart to give it a five, but I'm almost agreeing with Josh that it's a four, that it's just a little bit below average, that it just takes just a, it takes 15 to 20 minutes longer than I wanted it to every time. 
I don't. I don't know that I've ever felt this level of disappointment in someone <laughs> <laughs> as I have in Trevor right now. Uh, I'm going to go with a seven, and I'm correct, so we can move on to repeatability. <laughs> okay, so if I understand the new rules, you can use a seven when Jay is correct. Is that, is that how this works now? Um, your understanding might have to evolve. <laughs> yeah. All right, on to repeatability. Okay, so I've I think it's pretty safe for me to say I've spent more time playing War Machine and Hordes than any other tabletop game ever. Board game, miniatures game, whatever. Honestly, I think that might be true for me, too. Oh, it's definitely true for probably all of us. Um, so the repeatability strongly comes from the depth. Right. You know, you you're, you walk away from it going, man, I wish I would have done this better, or I wish I would do this better, I really want to try to fix this, I want to try this. You know, the repeatability comes from the depth of it, models and, and, and tactics. It feels to me like there's, people kind of tend to fall into, um, three categories of people for this category. And, you know, what, what you, how you view the game is, it's going to give you a different, you know, but there's some people who they try the game and it's, they just know from the start it's not for them. And the repeatability is basically a zero. And then there's a group of people who they see the game, the models are cool, the, it looks fun, they they try playing it, and they play for a month or two, and then they're, they're just like, wow, I'm getting beat all the time, or this just isn't, isn't as fun as I thought, or you know, whatever. And, and then they end up giving up the game and, and don't really give another try. And then there's some people, um, like the host of this podcast, who uh, <laughs> get into the game and just play it over and over and over and over, and they're replayability score for the game is going to be really high. Um, so for myself, uh, the grade on this one is going to be a 10. Nice. nice. Yeah, I um, I think it's important, too, that I was just thinking about, like, if repeatability, if, if, if list building counted towards repeatability, and if, like, you know, frankly, participation with the community counted as part of the repeatability. Sure, kind of like I mean, the penumbra of everything you do related to the game. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So... I mean, if that all counts, but yeah, again, I just, I have played more games of this than, than really any other game, um, maybe except for Civilization, right? If you count all the Civilization video games all, all as one. Um, but I, um, honestly, I don't know if I can argue with Jay. I feel like I'm supposed to, but I think a 10 is probably appropriate. Like, that is the thing. Like, if you, if you get into War Machine and you participate in War Machine, you will get your value out of it. Um. So mine, I, mine's probably going to be a 10 as well, but I, I, I kind of want to say that there are games that I wish I could play as much as I play War Machine, but the support around them does not exist. You know, there's not really that many competitive events for, say, Race for the Galaxy. You know, as far as board games is concerned, I've played that more than any other board game. Yeah, and, sure. And, and I would love to continue playing that, but there's just not... There's, <laughs> there's, there's a little pocket of love for that game in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and I don't know. Uh, it exists elsewhere as well. It's just there's how not going to be tournaments and stuff like that. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, that's that's it's. There has to be part of repeatability has to be. Is there something for you to do? Because after you play, let's say you play a hundred games of War Machine, and you're kind of tired of the same opponents, are there tournaments available for you to go to? Because if there weren't. War Machine would rate lower in this category, so it's 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 this combination of everything available. 
Right. Anyway, it's obviously a 10. I've played the game for 14 years now. I don't expect to quit anytime soon, although we've all slowed down a little bit. Um, but it's still, you know, if someone comes to me and says, I want to, you know, let's play some miniatures. I'd be like, okay, let's go get a War Machine game going. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say something to just that point real quick, Trevor, before we move on to the fun. But um, I feel like part of what, for me, raises the repeatability is, like, you can go through ebbs and flows in your life where you're not playing, right? Right. But coming back to it is still fun. It's still, it just still kind of has that, uh, the magic is inside of it all along. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On to fun then. Yes. So I'm going to start this one by just saying that I do feel like where you will rank on the fun scale with War Machine is directly proportional to how much you enjoy Savage Beast. <laughs> <laughs> At I least that's that, how it was for me. Because... I, I thought that there was like a direct correlation to how many minions models you have on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed my third seat of slip. Branding has gone right out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, fellow minions players. I forgot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, basically the the way you absorb wins and losses in War Machine, I think, does affect some of the fun. Also, um, say that if if you there's there's some people who like my wonderful husband is one of them. Uh, he does not handle losing that well. Right. I, I basically only play cooperative games with Brian. My sweetheart shares this trait. <laughs> and so, and, and, you know, I'm, it, it's kind of exacerbated if we play a game, like if it's something I've already played or, like I've had a lifetime of playing these games when he hasn't. And so, you know, he'll, he always, he's like, oh, you keep winning and this is bullcrap, you know, whatever. And so if, if you're the type of person for whom, um, Losing is difficult, then this is going to be a rough game. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a tough time. Yeah, I mean, even the best players lose a lot in this game. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, it's interesting because if I think of the traditional term fun and I think about, you know, getting together with friends and laughing, enjoying myself, that is not what War Machine is for me. You know, War Machine is a challenge and the fun comes from the challenge of bettering myself doing a better job at the game i don't walk away from it most of the time with happy endorphin pumped feelings um that's not the type of fun that i have um i walk away usually um either uh somewhat frustrated or angry sometimes <laughs> or or maybe even um relieved that it's over that i that i pulled it out put out the win it's still fun, but it's not the type of fun that I would have in a party game. <laughs> you're making it sound like if if you're the right type of like sociopath or yeah. masochist, then War Machine is the game for you. <laughs> I'm just extending what Josh said. <laughs> not wrong. So I mean, coming back to me, I, for, for me, my number on War Machine is a seven because Jay is right on this category. <laughs> Is that the subtext of seven every time? Because Jay I think is so. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, even I when mean, J- even when Jay hasn't there, chosen a seven, there are games that I find more fun than War Machine, but not many, right? And uh, there's a lot of things I find less fun. I'm 
I'm probably going to go with the nine on this. And I think that part of that ties into, like, I, even with as the replayability that, that this game has, unless there was something about it that I got some level of fun or enjoyment out of, there's no way that I would have played this game as, as much as I have. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's not fun. It's just, I'm trying to, I guess, describe, emph- emphasize that it's a different type of fun. Right. You know, it's yeah, not a, I think that's. It's not a comedy. I don't walk into a movie and the, like this and come out, you know, with a big grin on my face. But I do enjoy it significantly. I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy um, well, sure. someone like, someone who does like a complex crossword puzzle um, is correct. They're kind not of gonna, doing the same thing. Correct. That's the type of fun. Uh, um, I you know maybe I'm more masochist than I realize, but I'm going to say a seven here. Spoiler alert: um, You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, so I don't, I, I can count the number of times I won a game of 40k on, um, no fingers because I don't ever remember winning one. Um, and I played 40k for a long time. And so when I got introduced to War Machine and I didn't win for, I don't know how long, um, it didn't really bother me. It was just kind of picking up the torch. So. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Overall. Um, overall, I think that War Machine is probably one of the most um, well thought out, uh, fun, repeatable um, time investments that you can put into a miniatures game. Obviously, we're biased a little bit, but we've played other miniatures games. Um, I think that it has plenty of depth, so if you want to get deep into it, you can. Sometimes there's games that you enjoy, but there's no depth because there's nothing beyond what you're trying to do. Uh, you know, here, if you want to go to the next level, there's plenty. Um, there's plenty of competition. There's plenty of painting opportunities. There's plenty of modeling opportunities. You know, it's not the best in many of those things, you know, uh, but as a combination of all those things, it's one of the best in the industry. So what's your number? Um, I'm going to have to give it a nine. I, just, I don't want to give it a 10 because I feel like there's the potential for something better eventually. But right now, um, there's not a lot out there that I feel like is in that same range. I can, I can think of a few other nines that I like. Um, some of them have some of the issues I was talking about where maybe the competition's not available. You know, the next level doesn't necessarily exist, but maybe they're a better game. Um, there's an awful lot of games out there that don't make it very long in the industry as well um, for various reasons. Um, I mean, it's just proven itself over the long haul of being a quality game. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with a nine. Josh? Yeah, uh, so overall, so the thing that's interesting to me about War Machine as you're rating it, and I, I, there are other games, and there are certainly, like, you know, if you're talking about books and comic books, and there are communities around all of them. But for me, part of the overall and part of what raises up the overall for War Machine is the community that you, ended up, you end up participating with. I, I think I've said it, I mean, it sh- I should have warned people when we started Chain Attack Mark II, all about War Machine Mark III, you know, that a drinking game was gonna, going to be me saying, like, the community is awesome, and, you know, I could go anywhere in the world and have a great game with somebody and meet, you know, amazing, wonderful people. And and it would be true, and it's still true. And for me, it's part of what... I'm going to agree with Trevor, and, you know, I don't think that happens always or often, but, uh, but it is enough. It, just overall, the whole package, you know, the fun, the, uh, it's funny because I think we talked about before for Trevor, the, 
the aesthetic and the fluff was never that big a deal, but I loved the whole, um, you know, steampunky fantasy, uh, just this kind of wacky world that Privateer Press created. So for me, all of that uses together, and, and that's where I, I get the overall of, of, of the mind. So the nice thing about grading things is that um, a higher number is better, and a 10 is obviously better than a 9, and so... <laughs> <laughs> seems like a 10 is appropriate and so 10 means j is more right okay that's right yes um i mean it's it's there's there's a lot of things going into that for me um i've enjoyed the game itself the podcast uh, has, has grown out of this game it, the the effect that this game has had on uh, my business and my livelihood um yeah is it's 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 kind of crazy to to look back on, um, but it is it's it's not like a exaggeration to say that or it, it's I guess a better way to say it is I'm not sure I could over exaggerate the impact that War Machine has had on my life, um, and so it's it's influenced lots of different aspects of it positive positively for me, and uh, it's going to get a ten overall from me. I will say that um, the game's aesthetic has somewhat changed for me and grown on me. I, there's certain things that I still don't like, but, um, you know, I really like the aesthetic of, like, the Crucible Guard. Um, so th- when you get a little closer to traditional steampunk, um, some of it I like a little better. Or I, maybe I should say a little closer to traditional um, turn-of-the-century real-world stuff. That, do you... That uh, like how... Do, I know that you said before that some of the steampunk stuff you haven't been as big a fan of. Um, what, what have you, have you liked Horde's aesthetic more than War Machine because of that in general? Uh, in general, I would say yes, but I would also say that, um, my, when we started this podcast, I knew nothing about World War One. Um, I've, um, over the last, say, four years, I've spent a lot of time studying World War One and, and, it's not a topic that gets discussed frequently in American schools because the U.S. doesn't really have a big involvement in World War One, And so much of it I didn't know or understand. I mean, it's it's briefly taught in schools here, um, but the truth is that there's not a lot of great depth as to why it's in, important to the European nations. And so I knew very little about it, truthfully, and I've learned a lot more about it over the last four years, and it's become sort of a, um, a little hobby of mine. And as that's happened, my love of steampunk has gone up quite a bit because a lot of the aesthetic of steampunk is based in World War One time period and, and technology around that time period. So yeah, it's um, part of what you like about the Crucible Guard a lot, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. So um, th- I will say that there are still aspects about War Machine that I don't like, but they are the things that um, deviate. That they're the twist on traditional steampunk that that I look at and go, well, that's odd. Um, have you so, have you watched 1917 yet? Um, I purchased it. Um, it's been sitting in my queue for quite a while. Um, <laughs> I wanted, I desperately wanted to see it in the theater. In fact, I tried to convince my wife to go to it um, for Valentine's Day, <laughs> but <laughs> she put the kibosh on that. Um, so I didn't it's get definitely to see it. one that you should have watched in the theater. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed that I didn't, um, and I tried multiple times to make it happen and just never did. Um, so the truth is, is, no, I have not seen it. It's, it's like top of my list, but it's, it's got this high level of like desire for me. I want to see it so badly that I'm kind of waiting 
for the perfect time to sit down and actually be able to consume it without distraction. Yeah. And it's, that just hasn't happened. Well, I'm, I'm anxious to see what you think of it. Okay, so audience of War Machine. So I feel like the audience of War Machine is probably in the 25 to 40-year-old male segment is the, the general audience. I, I don't want to say... Relate to out years. Yeah, obviously. That, obviously. But I think that that it probably appeals to that segment more than than any of the others. And and I think there's a there's an aspect of it that it's it's expensive enough that if you don't have sustainable income, that it makes it very difficult to participate. So that's why I'm saying that it doesn't really. I think that 14, 15 year olds would probably love it. Um, you know, or younger. The truth is, is that once they're on their own, they're not going to be able to sustain it. I right. I don't think. Yeah, if they were like sponsored or something, or somebody else was right. uh, funding their army, that would be a different animal. Yeah, I guess, and I'm sure there's plenty that are that age because they have you know dads that are playing and want to pay for it, or right. or right. they're willing to fund it. And I think another way of looking at this audience is that, and this ties into some of the things we've talked about before, but you kind of need to be a person who has a fairly high amount of uh, time that you can dedicate to the game. And most frequently, when you see someone fall away from the game or, or leave the community, it's because they've had a change in their life to where they don't have the level of free time that they had previously. Yeah, like and, for me, it was school that was one of my fallaways. Right, and and really, it's it's a game that if if you're and and this is you know in, in some ways this is a shortcoming or uh, a sad thing with it or whatever, but it's not a game that's very easy to dabble in. And so, right, right. Take that for what you will. <laughs> Gosh, maybe we should have called this the dabble, no dabble category. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, for the go or no go, I, I think it's pretty obvious that all three of us are in the go category. It's a go. Yeah. Still a um, go. It's definitely more of a go for me 10 years ago than it is now. It's just, it's harder, it gets harder and harder to commit the amount of time and as my kids get closer and closer to um, high school and college age, it starts getting difficult financially as well, um, especially in competitive war machine. Right. And that's been one of the biggest problems is as my kids have gotten older, it's been harder and harder to uh, find the spare cash to be able to go to big conventions. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, there is the first ever, a new rating system for the grading chain, geekery. chain attack grading geekery. Um, we're going to be so the same time that this episode is live. Uh, one of the benefits for um, people who support us on Patreon is that they gain access to uh, our podcast one week early. And so episode, I mean, first off, episode zero is is going to be available the same time as this episode goes live for everyone. If You've listened to this episode to this point. You'll basically have already yeah. You've uh, learned, already listened to episode zero. Learned everything that we're going to discuss in episode zero, um, and then episode one. If you back us on Patreon, you'll be able to immediately listen to episode one and the episode one bonus uh, right now when when episode two hundred is is live, and then uh, one week later, episode one will be available f- for free for everyone to listen to. And the bonus episode of episode one will be uh, solely for people who back us on Patreon or on the dojo. And then one week later is when 
uh, again, the episode two would be available for people who back us on Patreon. So if you're trying to find us on Patreon, the link to the Patreon will be in the show notes, basically, for this episode. And I'm going to have to learn to start saying the Patreon link, aren't I? Like, <laughs> as, as Shillmaster, you've got to do that, right? Um, you can rename them so that it gets it's mm. a fairly easy one. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I, for this last little bit of the podcast, um, I, one of the things we wanted to do was, was have a chance to... Um, say goodbye or to have a farewell um to start that off i wanted to mention a an email that we received from mark harrison and he's someone who was was part of our local community was a pillar of the community and he had some health issues and uh, we did a fundraiser for him to try to help with um some of the, the medical issues that he was dealing with and the chain attack community was very generous in in helping out with that and one of the things that he he said in his email was that you know he felt like um not only was it a a tough time for him financially and it helped out with that but you know knowing that he had the support and love of of this community was was something that helped him get through some dark times and so you know i wanted to take a, a moment to thank the listeners for uh, of, of chain attack um, because you guys have been generous with your time with listening to us and uh, in a lot of cases been very generous with your money and, and generous with your spirit and and help build a community that I think is is something that's has touched a lot of people's life that is incredibly well said I feel like you led with the greatest uh, tribute <laughs> possible. <laughs> you should have saved that till the end. Oh, sorry. Well, maybe after we do 900 more episodes, I'll finally <laughs> learn the skills to do like an outline and the proper pacing and all that stuff. <laughs> um, I, don't I, know, just, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I want to thank. Um, everybody who's ever listened to the show and anybody who's ever um, given us um, any sort of feedback, both constructive um, criticism and um, just praise. Uh, whether we did projects on YouTube with or with streaming or um, when we made uh, purchable, purchasable episodes or the dojo, uh, people came out and supported us and thanked us for our content. Um, there were people who gave us valuable criticism and some of that criticism got in, in, you know, integrated into the show. And some of it we realized was, you know, it was, it was important to that person, but it didn't necessarily fit our personalities or our show. So it didn't get put in. Um, but you know, there was definitely a lot of people who cared about our content and cared about the show and they, you know, did their best to, um, help. And I just appreciate everyone who did that. <laughs> I was so. Real quick, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Obviously, like, although these many years ago, when I approached you, Trevor, with, you know, the idea of we ought to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, it's, this is unfolded in a way that was like completely unpredictable to, to anyone, I think. Um, but I guess, what would have been, I'm assuming if, if you had it all to do it over again, like what would, what would your reaction be or what would you do differently? Or, you know, I don't know what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Gosh. Um, so if you'd come to me and said, I'd like to take 
five to 20 hours of your life every week for the next nine years, um, I probably would have turned you down. Um, yeah. I, I almost did. And, and none of those things were said at the time, but I just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to look back and go, man, you know, the little humble beginnings, um, not that we've really <laughs> come that far. We're still, still fairly humble, but the idea that we're still making a show nine years later is, and, and moving on to a, a different show, um, that is not at all what I, you know, I ever, that never crossed my mind. And right. had it, I probably would have said, you know, that's probably too big of a commitment. For me. <laughs> um, I don't know that I can do that. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I will. However, let let me, let me, sorry, one more thing. However, if I had known how much it would have impacted Jay's life from a business perspective, I would have still made the commitment. I want you to know that, that I do value as a friend and that that is important to me. And I do continue doing this many times because I know it is, it has helped you out and your business, um, has grown considerably because of it. So I I want to throw that in there too. And I'm also, I, Maybe I'm putting too much subtext into it, but um, I'm 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 assuming that at, at the start when you're like, man, this this is just way too big of a commitment um, <laughs> for you to say yes to. That that's understandable. But I think that um, now that we're at the point we are, um, I wouldn't go back and it's, change it. Right. It's it's more now. It's it's kind of like wow. I'm kind of shocked that we managed to <laughs> do this, and I'm at least for myself, I'm glad that. Uh, we were able to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's um, yeah. Looking back on it, it's it's a little surprising that we made it, but um, I'm glad we did. Okay, Josh. So what you're making me think about talking about is the fact that I have been here through now all three evolutions of this of this podcast, uh-huh. and I I started out as a fan, and when when the first evolution occurred, you know, I, I guess that makes me the equivalent of Raichu, right? Charmant? I, I don't remember what the second of you is of Pokemon, <laughs> actually. I wish I did. But, uh, you know, so to have, to have had it from that perspective, and as I often uh, like to remind everyone, to still have my JoJo subscription, which I will be converting to a Patreon subscription. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that's just the kind of, it's kind of listener and fan that I continue to be. Um, it's just been a fascinating ride. It's just been a ton of fun, uh, for me on both ends of the scale. So, so I want to say, I mean, that's my way of saying thank you to the listeners. Uh, that you really, you, you can't, um, you can't say enough how much the listeners matter for, for a lot of, you know, both like Trevor said, constructive criticism and meeting you in all different parts of the world and sharing, you know, sharing this hobby and sharing a lot of the same uh, geeky interests, which is why we believe that this next evolution will continue to work. You know, what a difference that has made. And and I'm also going to tell a little mercenary story here, which is to tell listeners again, why it matters and why your, your support has mattered. I remember early on after James Trevor had asked me to, to take a seat as a host and, and I was, I, I was maybe a little more cognizant of Trevor of what the time commitment was going to be at the time because Joey so Trevor knew it a little more, you know. Yeah, you, at that, at that point we told you. Yeah, we're like, yeah. this is what you're going to have to do. 
And, uh, you know, and my wife, Laramie, she was on board initially because that's kind of how she's on board with a lot of my uh, attributes. <laughs> you know, she finds me endearing and she's like, sure, you go do that, you know. But she, it was does funny. She, wait, 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 Josh. Does she, um, does she pinch her cheek when she does that? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Maybe we're too old for that, though. But it was just funny because I remember one of the first, uh, I don't remember if it was the first or the second year after you guys had invited me to be a host. And we did a special series, uh, where we evaluated the meta at the time, I think. And, uh, um, I think it was right when there was the new edition of. Yeah, Wednesday. I think that's right. And the so listeners we... responded like they were awesome. And I remember we were on a, a camp out, um, with her, um, I think it was with her residency and, and I happened to pull the phone out and show her what Jay had just put into our PayPal account. <laughs> and she basically like told me to get in the car and head home and start recording more things. <laughs> so it matters. Like it's not all sentimental. I want you guys to know, but it, it, there is a huge sentimental element to, to this journey. And I'm excited to continue it. I mean, that's, that's part of what's been fun. I was enthusiastic as a fan. I've been enthusiastic as a host, and I remain enthusiastic for this next evolution. Uh, one thing to, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of what you said, Josh, and also uh, maybe share a little bit of a story of something that you said. But um, uh, first of all, I guess one of the things I wanted to do was thank the people who um, who have supported the the podcast who've done dojo subscriptions who've bought our limited edition things stuff like that um you know when we started out we were just had a lot of fire in our belly and we loved the game and we were excited to be putting all this time into it and then it's it's difficult to maintain that when like trevor has said it's it's such a large um amount of time that that was involved with it and when we ended up launching the dojo, um, it was something that ended up making the, the podcast sustainable. And so we're, we're very grateful, um, to, to everyone who, who has supported it. And, and we're hopeful that people will, uh, be willing to do that with the future podcast. Um, but one of the things that has also impressed me, you know, I talked a little bit about Mark, uh, and that experience. Another one that, um, Another aspect that really, I guess, kind of showed me the what type of community people are um, when when Josh was going th- recently through kind of the um, things that he was struggling with. With we wizards. call it the nadir of existence. Okay, with the nadir of his life, uh, with the the loss of his son. That you know, I, I obviously I, I was only watching secondhand, but. I saw a lot of people who reached out to him and I saw a lot of people who tried to uh, support him financially. And, um, and, and honestly, um, to, to pull, I guess the, the curtain back even a little bit further, we, we'd been planning this. We, we, we had a meeting, the, the, the hosts of chain attack and we felt like we needed to, improve the podcast or evolve the podcast. And we considered various things, um, either diving, uh, more strongly into war machine was, was one option or what we ended up doing was another option. And we kicked around several different things. Um, 
but one of the Josh was one of the the people who um, said that he felt like we needed to improve the product, and that had been on my my mind as well. And um, one of the things that Josh said with it was that you know obviously when when you're dealing with the medical industry in the United States, that is something that is a very big financial burden, and um, and the people who subscribed to the dojo were and stuff like that helped quite a bit with him being able to get with get through that, and so that was also something that I was very um, appreciative. And I I guess I don't want to throw uh, words into your mouth, Josh, but has did I basically um, say that about right? <laughs> No, you, yeah, you said it a hundred percent right. You know, and it's uh, it's one of the things that just for me highlighted once again. Um, I mean, what I love about this community is what I have found is there are so many unique uh, individuals. So you know, different different walks of life, different um, you know, even amongst our our services, you know, different passions, different likes, and um, they, they're just. It's a community because they, you know, people will pull together, you know, uh, in things that really matter, and I think that's one of the things that's amazing. Yeah, I, um, I, I think you said it very, very beautifully there. Absolutely. Um, I guess two other things that I wanted to to touch on to to thank people with. Uh, one obviously is with the people who have listened to the podcast and then have also supported Discount Games Inc. Um, you know, I. I like to think that some of the some of the reasons why the company has been successful is that there's some values or principles that we we try to um, do our business by. You know, we want to respond to customers quickly, we want to get things out the door quickly to customers, stuff like that. But um, and and that helps us retain customers. But if there wasn't something like Chain Attack that helped. Get us have people give us a try then you know, i think things would have been a lot different and so i, I do appreciate that that, that people have uh, been willing to uh, try try using us for for their business and you know obviously that's that's been important for my livelihood um i guess one other thing that i wanted to uh, mention i guess as a thank you or just as kind of a it's it's interesting to see how much things have changed uh, in the 15 years, or whatever. But when we started the podcast locally, I was someone who was out. But when we started recording the podcast, um, it, it wasn't really something that I brought up, and it wasn't really um, that I was ashamed or embarrassed by it or anything like that. But it also there was an inner part of me that was like, I don't know if I even want to bring this up because. Um, I don't, maybe I'll get less business or maybe it will be bad advertising or whatever. And, um, eventually that, that was something that ended up, I ended up talking about and, uh, we started traveling to cons and, uh, et cetera, where it, it became, it, it was just part of, um, it wasn't even really, I don't think anyone ever, uh, it became a, a very big issue, but one of the things that, um, I, I guess I did want to say a thank you for was that there were people who um, reached out to me or contacted me um, saying that they they weren't really out, but they appreciated 
that there was someone who was out in the in the community or someone who was visible that uh, made them feel a little bit better. And and so I guess I it felt good to receive those and, and thank you for people who sent that. But also um, I guess I want to thank the the War Machine community for um, I guess treating me well or, or not really having that be a big issue. Uh, if, if you look back over the last 15 years, like I said before, it's, it's kind of changed from something where when this started, it was kind of a hot button political issue that was kind of seen as like a, um, this is going to rally the base for, for some parts of uh, the country or to where it's progressed now to where, you know, there's, there's gay marriage. It's, and it's kind of seen now as like a, it's not even a noteworthy thing in a lot of cases. And so, um, I guess that was just something that I wanted to, to thank people for as well. Yeah, I just want to add one thing to that. One of my one of my favorite notes that we ever received was from a listener who I think was uh, addressing that that same sort of topic. And one of the things he said, he just sort of said thanks to us because he could tell that we were friends and that you know essentially we didn't make an issue of our differences. That we we were friends. You know, we we cared for and respected each other. Um, and that, and like you said, and that those, that kind of thing was not an issue. And I always thought that, I don't know, I remember sharing that with Laramie and just thinking, well, that was really cool that person I mean, reached out. And it is, he felt made a difference to that listen. Right. It is, it is kind of, um, humorous it's, that the, the three of us have, right. we, we could, we could make this into we are a, like joke. a punch like joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's two Mormons and a gay guy walk into a podcast. <laughs> 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 but maybe I mean, it needs to be the next date. Maybe, yeah. you know. Chain attack mark five, all about <laughs> But it is it is one of the things that I've appreciated is that there's there's a lot of things in various aspects of our lives that we just we just view things very differently and, and that's fine and and, and it, it goes beyond you know, there's religion, there's politics, there's lots of different things, but at the core of it, it, it hasn't really affected what we, those, those differences aren't really what matter what I think about my co-host. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well said. Well, are there, are there any final thoughts or, or things that you guys would like to say in episode 200? Um, just, I hope everyone continues to listen to us. I know that we're content's going to change, but you know, yeah. we, we are not, um, and I think that it opens up opportunities for us to be excited about um, something new and something different. And, and I know so for some people, they've enjoyed some of the podcasts we've had in the past about non-war machine related topics. And we hope to bring that same excitement um, for maybe the next nine years, I guess. I don't I don't really know where this roller coaster <laughs> What's the exit plan? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea where this roller coaster stops. Um I got on nine years ago, and it just keeps going. So. <laughs> it's true. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, you guys have been awesome, and I I honestly am very excited about this next chapter for Chain Attack for the podcast, and so we hope that you'll give it a try. Agreed. So, All right. I have a really my body's ready okay, for the final like, bad joke. There are, like, five, and this is the one I'm going for. I feel like it's topical, okay? Okay. You guys know... What are scientists' favorite breed of dog? I don't. Labs. <laughs> <laughs>
thank you for that drop. <laughs> Should have saw it coming. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, well, have tractor in it, so it's not perfect. You can you can go ahead and when you end this podcast, scurry over to Patreon and search for Chain Attack and sign up, and you'll be able to listen to episode one and the episode one bonus right away and hear what we're going to be grading. What we're cooking up. Excellent. Well, on that note, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to another episode of Chain Attack. Chain Attack.